You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much to Say. Thank you so much for your love on last week's episode. I've really enjoyed reading how you guys have found your Enneagram types and answering questions and all that. It's been really fun, so feel free to keep tweeting me just at Kaylee Shore. I could talk about the Enneagram for forever. So if y'all want to pull me down a rabbit hole, I will go there with you. But this week's episode, we are going to talk about my very big news that I just announced. I signed my first record deal. I could not be more excited. It's a very weird time to be signing it. You know, I couldn't have a signing party. We just, you know, sent out whiskey bottles and cheers from afar, but I could not be more excited. But this has not been an easy or a quick process to get to this point by any means. I met with my first record label when I was 17, I believe. I came to Nashville with Perez Hilton, the gossip blogger, entertainer, who was managing me at the time, actually. He found me on YouTube. I did a cover of Friday by Rebecca Black that went semi-viral, and he really liked my stuff and introduced me to a bunch of labels. It was definitely a little premature. I mean, I had only written songs by myself on my living room floor about my high school boyfriends, and It was all very, very new to me and um, very exciting, but I think it gave me unrealistic expectations a little bit for like how your Nashville journey is supposed to go down because I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to sign a record deal this week. Yeah, like for sure. (laughs) Bitch, you thought. So I met with like, I think six or seven different ones and they were all really nice and gracious, but I mean, they took the meeting because of Perez and you know what he's done in the music industry for sure. And You know, most people were really nice, but there was one label I met with where the guy was just like, yeah, your songs are shit. And I was like, oh, (laughs) but I didn't like break or anything because I knew that I had a long ways to go, like as far as songwriting, because, you know, like I said, I'd only written by myself on my bedroom floor. So I, you know, obviously was a little bit hurt, but I didn't show it and 
they gave me a bunch of signed CDs from their artists. So I, you know, I got over it pretty quickly. I was very excited to have that parting gift. The rest of them were fine. You know, I think that the best advice I got during that first round of label meetings was somebody told me that if I wanted to succeed in Nashville, I had to be in the game to win. So they were like, you need to move here. So every action from that time until I graduated high school was like focused on the goal of me moving to Nashville. So that was great advice. And I am really thankful for that. So when I got to town, I definitely was like, okay, yeah, this is not going to happen as quickly as I thought it would. And I developed a 10 year plan in my head. In case anyone was wondering, we are on track. This was seven years ago, but I, I definitely like was able to balance my expectations a little bit more. So the next time label relations came back up was in 2016 when I released my first single fight like a girl. And at the time the song was doing really well. Like, I mean, it was completely independent. It was a $250 demo I did with my friend in his guest bedroom and it was blowing up on Sirius XM. I mean, it was like in the top 20, it was charting on billboard. It was selling 2000 copies a week and there was a lot of buzz. And at the time it was even harder for women in Nashville then than it is now. And you know, it was definitely like I had a good bit of buzz. And so I did the thing that you do in Nashville where you have a label showcase. So you have a private show, you invite all the industry out and you just hope that they like it and they give you a big old record deal. And every label came out because, you know, there was this like hype. And so I had only played like three full band shows in my life up to that point. So I was really nervous. I was not seasoned as a performer. I was really in the process of finding myself. And at the time I was like, Oh my God, no, I'm ready. And like, I think I could have been ready, but now I'm like ready, ready. But the weird thing about showcases is like, you know, when y'all go to a show, when I go to a show, we're like front row having a beer, like good time escaping from our problems. These people go to shows and it's work and it is work, work. And you know, it's the end of the day. They're like, I want to go home. I want to eat dinner. I'm like hungry. They're checking their phones. They're not paying attention. And it's very disheartening for an artist. Like it's just like a very clinical experience and takes all the fun and creativity out of it to be completely honest. So I knew what all these people looked like because I'd met with them. And so I'm looking out in the audience and it's a private show. So it's not like super packed. And I could like see like who was texting and who was talking in the middle of the song. And like, it was throwing me off a little bit. Like, I don't think anybody would have noticed, but like in my head, I was like, Oh my God, it's like the nightmare. And the one thing that definitely got me down was when, um, the president of one label just left during the second song. Now to give him the B of the D, maybe he had somewhere to go. I mean, he had a son's baseball game. I have no idea. I don't even know if he had a son, but it was definitely a, a big old bummer. And so I felt like I did a good job. I was really excited. The song was still doing really well. And I was like, okay, I feel like I'm going to sign a deal. And then I didn't. And then it just led to this, you know, four year cycle of meeting with these labels, having them get excited about something like a song, then just be like, yeah, well, we're going to keep watching. We're just waiting. She's, she's not ready. And I, I don't even know what that means. Like, I'm not disagreeing with them, especially because like now I have in hindsight, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm so much more prepared for this level of the game now, but that I can handle. It was the, um, weird excuses that got to me. So if you guys listen to Bobby Bones, you're probably aware of the 
disparity in country radio between men and women. Bobby created his I Heart Women of Country show, which is amazing and, and puts a spotlight on these newer female artists who otherwise wouldn't be getting played. And it's a complicated issue. I don't know if there's any one cause for it, but it does exist. And it's so weird because if you took these scenarios and you applied them to any other industry or line of work, it would be like super illegal. So the first time I really was like, oh, being a girl is a strike against you in Nashville was I'd been meeting with this label a little bit and they were really excited about the new project. And um, my manager had a phone call with somebody over there and they were like, yeah, you know, we just, we think she's a superstar and she'd kill it on radio tour, but we just can't sign another female right now. And can y'all imagine if you were like trying to get hired and, and like at for a secretary and they were like, oh, you know, we just have too many female secretaries right now. So we can't give you the job. We're going to give it to somebody who's less qualified because they're a different gender. Like what the shit? And then afterwards I went to their roster online and they had like 38 acts. Four of them were solo females. Two of them were groups that had a woman in them. And out of 38, I'm like, that is insane that that would be the reason why they couldn't sign me. And it's, if it was like, Hey, we think our songs need to get better or performing needs to get better or something like that. Like I can accept that, but it was them being like, she's great. She literally said superstar and literally said I'd kill it on radio tour, but I'm a girl. And that's just like, that's just bullshit. If you asked me. And I know that that's not necessarily this person's fault because it could be coming from their boss. Everybody's stressed. The music industry is changing. Like I'm not holding any of this against people. I just want to be really real about what Nashville is like when you're looking for a deal. So I just got caught in this loop, you know, where I would be meeting with people like every six to nine months and, you know, they were always so lovely and had nice things to say. And then I get my hopes up and then nothing would happen. And by the time I started open book. I was just like over it. I was like, fuck it. I don't think that I need to be playing this game. I'm just going to make the music that I want. I'm going to stop writing songs because I think someone at a label will like them. And you know, here we are. There's the irony right there. But right before the album came out, you know, it was my debut album. And so we reached out to a couple labels and I talked about this on my first podcast, but it also really applies to, you know, this, this conversation. But I went to a label during release week. We'd sent them the whole album. And about 10 minutes into the meeting, I realized that I was like, these people have not listened to the record. Like they have not listened to more than one song. And that sucks because I'm like, well, not only are you wasting my time, but you're also wasting your own. Like if, if you don't care, then don't care. And don't like, you know, it was just so weird and, and uncomfortable. And like, I smiled and got through it. And again, I don't hold it against these people. They're busy, but it was just a weird vibe. And it's crazy how like that meeting, like I needed to prepare for like a week. I was like, what am I going to wear? What songs am I going to play? Like I got all in my head about it. And for them, it's just something that they're like, oh yeah, this girl, just, I think I listened to her song last week. It's fine. It's just weird how like, you know, just the disparity between the two parties there and, and how much they care about it. But then right before the album came out, I had somebody who wanted to sign me and it was one of the biggest labels in Nashville and the president of A&R like 
loved my album. They heard my song Lullaby, which is the first single from Open Book, and like loved it and were so excited. And they were like, yeah, okay, we want to sign you. Like my teenage daughter loves you. I can't stop listening to your record. We're going to make it happen, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, um, sure, yeah. And I felt like, you know, this person super understood me and I was starting to think that this could be a great place. And they played it for the president of the whole label and he was just like, no. And just shut it down. Even though like the head of A&R, which that's their job is to sign artists, liked it. It was just like, you know, DOA. So I was like, okay, well maybe after the album comes out and it does some stuff, like I'll be able to get a label then. You know, I'm enjoying the process of releasing the record. I was definitely like super out of money though, because I self-financed everything. Like I think in my life, I have total taken like $150 from my parents and it was always like on birthdays. And there's nothing wrong like with taking money from your parents, especially right now. Like I'm not judging anybody, but just like that's been my path. But I'm also, you know, I'm working my ass off. So one day, you know, in far future when I have kids, I can, you know, give them money and they can have a good life. So no judgment, but I just, uh, that was not my path. So everything was self-funded and there's so many things that you don't even think about, like how much they cost. Like you have to buy merch ahead of time. And, you know, if you're going on the road, you could be opening for like a huge artist with like a ton of number ones and you're making $500 a show and the plane tickets for your band cost a thousand. So it's just, I mean, it adds up really quick. And I was just like pinching pennies. And, you know, that was the hardest part of not having a label for sure. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. So when my album made the New York Times uh, 
best albums list and it was on like a bunch of other ones it was like in variety and spin and all these things i was like okay maybe labels are going to pay attention because like that's big like that's the new york times and it was the only country album on there so i'm like okay well you know that's that has to say something and you know this person on my team was expressing frustration to them because they were like why can't we get her a deal like all this great stuff is happening and the person just completely wrote it off and was like well you know how journalists are like they just like to take a uh you know an, an indie artist so they can be like cool and hip and and just find somebody and then they just put them on there and they just completely like wrote it off like the biggest thing that had happened to me so far and, and just completely wrote it off and there's this kind of jaded perspective in Nashville and Oh my God, it's so exhausting. And it was a bummer like to hear that somebody said that, but I, you know, it was, it was icky. Um, so I get to this point where I'm just like, you know, people didn't even care about, you know, the critical claim the album was getting. And I was just like, what else can I fucking do? Like, what more do you want from me? Because if you think I'm a superstar and, and, journalists who I really respect and these people really respect, like love my album. Like what's, what's missing? Like, tell me, cause I want to make it better. Like I wasn't like whining, like feeling entitled. I'm like, if there's something I need to fix, like, tell me, obviously I can't fix being a woman. I mean, I could, it's just expensive and I really like being a woman. Um, <laughs> but you know, if it's something I can change, if it's something I can work on, just tell me, I want to fix it and be my, the best version of myself and the best artist I can be. But I wasn't getting those answers. And so at the beginning of this year, as, you know, we were coming off of all the year endless and stuff, I was just like, oh my God, like, is the universe giving me signs that I'm not supposed to be an artist? Like, I've never once thought about packing up and moving home. Like, that's not on the table for me at all, ever. But I think that my equivalent of giving up would be like just being a songwriter for other people. And I love doing that, but obviously like, you know, being an artist is my, my biggest passion. And I just was like, maybe this is God and telling me that I'm, I'm pushing for something that just isn't on my path. And, and maybe I need to rethink this. And it was just like really hard. And it was the first time I think I'd really gone to that dark of a place with my career. Like I normally am just bouncing around and, you know, taking things in stride, but it just, it really got to me all at once. And I just was journaling and I was like, I know that I need to just hold on because something is going to happen. So this was actually a journal entry from that period where I was, you know, just drowning in self-doubt, you know, no big deal. March 4th, 2020. It's been four years of saying we're almost there. Just hold on. We're so close. I don't think I believe it anymore. I'm climbing uphill and I don't even know what I'm fighting against. I poured my whole fucking heart and soul into open book and no one cares. I'm not any better off than the day I released it. I've never felt like giving up before, but I don't have it in me to keep fighting for much longer. I'll never give up on music, but maybe I'm not supposed to be an artist. Maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. I'm just not good enough. I've given it my best, like everything I have, and it's just not clicking. Going back and reading that makes me really sad because... You know, obviously that was a, a little bit of a dramatic moment, you know, oh my God, I'm not good enough, but we all have that, you know, it's, it just sucks. And I felt like there was something worth holding on to. And like, I mean, I don't know, what am I going to do? Like announce on my social media, like I am done being an artist, like, or like get the paper bag that Shia LaBeouf wore. That's like, I'm not famous anymore. It's like, I'm not trying to be famous anymore. <laughs> No. So, I mean, I don't even know what I thought I was going to do, but 
a couple months later, very shortly after that, during quarantine, I a got offered this podcast deal, which I'm super excited about, obviously, and that was really great and gave me, you know, some um, energy and excitement. But then I heard from this label called Teamwork Records. They're based in New York, and they're so incredible. They just understood the album, and what they wanted to do was not just sign me and put out new music, but they wanted to re-release Open Book and put the marketing budget behind it to give it what they felt like it deserved the first time around, what I wanted it to have the first time around. And so now all these other doors are open because like I can afford to, to do these things and, and it's just amazing, but I don't even know what I thought having a record deal was going to be. Cause I'm just constantly shocked by the things that they do that I now don't have to do, but I've been doing for four years. And even my manager, we're just like looking at each other. We're like, wait, that's not our job anymore. Like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was crazy. I actually got a little sassy on Twitter because I got a little bit of shade because I signed with a New York label. And now after hearing my Nashville story, like y'all are like, oh yeah, of course she didn't sign with a Nashville label. And like nobody wanted to sign me, but also like it's kind of a weird system. So the day that I announced my record deal last week, I saw some subtweets from, you know, random people being like, oh, well, if you're such a country artist, why'd you sign to a New York label and whatever? And I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. Like, ugh. So I got a little sassy on Twitter and I said, in quotes, like, why'd you sign to an NYC label if you're a country artist? Well, probably because I've talked with every major label in Nashville minimum of three times and they've all told me I wasn't ready. So I found someone who thought I was. I don't know. Might drop a song about it. Yeah. So I'm releasing a song kind of about Nashville on October 23rd. So mark your calendars. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be posting some more teasers about it this week. And honestly, the song is pretty unfiltered. And I didn't think I'd ever get to release it, but the label like loves it. And that tells me I'm already in the right place because the song is like pretty aggressive. And they're like, oh, hell yeah, let's just like come in like a wrecking ball. But I feel like there's this huge conversation all the time. It's like, that's not country. This isn't country. They're doing this thing that's not country, blah, 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 blah. And like, I just, I wish those people would realize that this is cyclical and it happens all the time. So the artists that they're saying like, oh, well, I miss real country like Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels came up against a lot of people saying that his music was too rock. Like that was a really big thing that happened. And I am a really big Charlie Daniels fan. Um, really tragic that he's not with us anymore, but I got to see him get inducted into the country music hall of fame. And he said something that just stuck with me that I'm always going to remember. And somebody had asked him in this Q and a, like, what was it like when, you know, people were telling you that you weren't country and, you know, you were not being true to the genre. And he was like, well, I've always said, if you sit down and you try to write just a country song or just a pop song or just a rock song, you're going to miss 10 good ideas on the way there. And I think that's so true. Like I did so many things on my album on some of my favorite songs that you just don't do in a country song, namely say fuck or have like a four bar solo, but we just wanted to do it. So we did. And I think that that's what made those songs unique. And it's just absurd to think that people are only going to listen to one genre of music and they're going to bring in other influences and all of that stuff into country. And that's what makes it grow and evolve. I mean, pop music grows and evolves. Why can't country also do that? And, you know, as much as people say Taylor Swift isn't country, Dolly Parton also got accused of not being country. And those are the same artists that people are talking about when they say, 
oh, well, you know, I miss real country like Dolly Parton. It's like she went up against the same thing. And honestly, she had I Will Always Love You as a massive hit for her and then a massive pop hit for Whitney Houston. Like a good song's a good song. Let's just appreciate good music. I mean, if we're going to talk shit about country music that sucks, like, oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, but it doesn't suck because it's pop. It sucks because it sucks. (laughs) I will not be naming the songs that are on my songs that suck playlist. So it's been a long journey to get here, but I'm really excited. The new album is going to be coming out later this year, um, or the new version of the old album. So it's all of the original 13 songs, and then we're going to have four bonus tracks, which is super exciting. I had so much fun recording new music and kind of filling in the gaps that were left in the story. Like I'm putting all of these songs like interwoven throughout the original track list. Like it's not just four songs at the end because they're pieces of the story that got left out that, you know, maybe weren't the most important, but they like deserve to be told. And that's why we're calling it open book colon unabridged. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am still just so blown away by how many of y'all are listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. If you didn't, um, I suppose you could do that as well. I'm not going to stop you. And uh, make sure you subscribe. And we have new episodes every Wednesday. So I'll see you guys next week. I'm so happy. It's been really one of the best weeks of my life. So thank you so much for all the kind words about the deal and all of that. And you know what? Thanks to the haters too, because you gave me something to talk about on my podcast. All right, love y'all. Bye. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.